everybody, and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 154th episode of the podcast, airing April 17th, 2023. Now, in this episode, I'm delighted to welcome special guest Taylor Schuler to join me on the program to chat all about Taurus Eclipse Season 2023 where we engage in a deep dive discussion on this year's solar dip into the bull's terrain. So prepare for a juicy setup when the sun ushers us in to the land of fixed earth with a 29 degree airy solar eclipse just hours before a zero degree square to Pluto in Aquarius. And you can follow along as we dissect this catapulting eclipse that's paired with Mercury stationing retrograde. You know, the universe just loves to set us up here. Uh, And that's going to be followed by Pluto stationing retrograde and a lunar eclipse in Scorpio. Only to end this zodiacal month with a larger-than-life season finale as Jupiter ingresses into Taurus to square both Pluto and Mars. So that is quite the lineup. So, you know... Buckle up, my friends. It's going to be a hell of a ride. Now, to follow along as we step through the charts, you can tune into the video version of this episode on YouTube. Now, if you'd like to support this program, come on over to energeticprinciples.com, where you can book a personal consultation with yours truly, or you can leave a one-time tip in my tip jar. And you can also sign up for my monthly transit newsletter, The Heavenly Wind, which goes out at the beginning of each month and is chocked full of details of the astrology that uh, encapsulates the month. There's also tarot polls and animal uh, ambassadors in there too. And so it is a fun little addition to have in your inbox at the beginning of each month. All right, everyone. So who is ready to hear all about Taurus Eclipse season 2023? Here we go. Now let's meet our guest. All right, all right. Welcome back to the Energetic Principles podcast. And today we have a special guest with us, a new special guest. We have Taylor Schuler with us here today. Thanks you. Thanks you. Thanks you for joining me, Taylor. Thanks you for having me, <laughs> Melissa. I really appreciate it. It's an honor, a privilege, and a pleasure to be here. Oh, great. Yes. Yeah, so I came across Taylor. Um, actually, and I didn't even ask you, uh, you just recently spoke at our local, uh, astrological society here in San Diego. Um, and unfortunately I wasn't able to make it, but it was a fabulous topic on the, the Ikigai, right? The purpose. Uh, so yeah. yeah, How do, I mean, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and then tell me a little bit about that uh, presentation. Yeah, absolutely. And I was just telling you before we got started that, um, you know, I really became an astrologer during the pandemic. And so yours was one of the first podcasts that I listened to. And so that's why I feel like it's such a privilege and an honor to be here uh, on this show today because I was a listener and now I'm here and it's exciting. So uh, yeah, I'm Taylor Schuler. I'm an, a professional astrologer, recently certified through OPA. Uh, I did speak in San Diego at the San Diego Astrological Society about Ikigai. So how do we use astrology to find life purpose? Ikigai is based on a Japanese concept. It's based on the blue zones. The blue zones are where the centenarians uh, are from. So people who live well past 100 years old, like 107, 115. Mm. And so there must be some secret sauce there, right? Like some kind of something good. 
And so researchers found a couple different things that people do. And one of them is just having purpose and having a reason for getting out of bed in the morning. Who would have thought? And what's one of the wonderful things we can do with astrology, we can really help people dial in on their purpose, on their passion, their mission, their profession, their vocation, uh, what they're good at, what they can make money at. And so what I did in San Diego was kind of just lead people through Ikigai without astrology. And then when people found, uh, you know, like, I don't really know what I can make money at, or I don't know how I can make money. It was like, okay, now let's dial into the chart and use the chart to see how you filled in the pieces over here and how you're like kind of reaching a block. And it's really fascinating to see, because you can see it in the chart that it's a block for this person. Mm. And it becomes very obvious to everyone who doesn't have that nativity. Yeah. <laughs> and then the people who, who do, they're like, oh my goodness, thank you so much for helping me to see this blind spot that I have. And so um, it's just so fun for me to take my prior corporate experience in human resources and in law and uh, just out there in industry with these really practical, my Capricorn Virgo placements, like practical applications, and then take the celestial wisdom that we get from astrology and help people to fill in the blanks to feel fulfilled and thrive and live the life of their dreams. Ah, I love that. You know, because that's, I, so many people come to astrology just for that to begin with. You know, if I had a, a, I was about to say nickel. I'm like, what are we living in? 1930? I need like a dollar <laughs> for every time I get a consultation request, you know, like tapping into career and purpose and more of like that broader scope of why, why am I here? Right. Because we don't, um, we, we don't make it very long if we don't have that driving force of uh, vitality and purpose that gets us up every morning and makes us excited about, you know, what, what our day is going to be, what, what fun thing can we do? How can we make the world better? How can we thrive with, uh, you know, that resource exchange that comes in? And it seems, it's, it seems like it would be an easy flow to just get into, but it's not, this world is, is tricky like that to get into that right flow that will, as you said, the blue zones, the blue zone, it's like, you're, you'll get a couple blue, but then there'll be that missing piece. You know, maybe you make a lot of money, but you don't love it. <laughs> yeah, but you, love it, you and, don't make a lot of money, you know? Exactly. And I think that there's a couple different things that happen. One is that astrology can be very like from the neck up, like very just heady, very theoretical, right? Because what we're doing is taking objects in the sky that are floating around, interpreting them, putting language to them. And then it's like, okay, that's cool. But then how do I keep the roof over my head with floaty bright lights in the sky, right? And so really grounding that, embodying it and making it practical and in doing that interpretation for people, uh, being that translator for people is what we can do as astrologers. And right now, I mean, we'll get into the astrology, but I just think it's so important because people have been burned out because of the pandemic and we're moving into a totally new era. And so it's really important for people to be very grounded and very clear about who they are, what their values are and where they want to be going. Now, that path of where we're going might change, but if you have a solid foundation, a lot of clarity and conviction, as well as flexibility, I think that that will serve us all well going forward so that we can live our best lives. Ah, 
I love that. And what better way to segue us into Taurus season <laughs> 2023, you know, when we think about uh, just foundation in general and, and purpose and having that, I mean, Taurus really fits in there. And that's the thing when you talk about moving into a new era um, and some of the things we've been talking about here, like, uh, well, obviously Saturn moving into new, uh, new sign, but, you know, Pluto moving into Aquarius um, and, you know, finishing up eclipses in Taurus and Scorpio and starting into the cardinal signs of Aries, you know, North Node and Aries, um, and these longer passages. And especially I'm preparing a Pluto presentation right now to speak at SDAS this, this, uh, Friday, which I don't think this will air in time for that. So sorry for the, uh, the afterthought. Um, but it, you know, we have so much more uh, astrology that's going to be happening in these in Taurus and Aquarius over the next uh, decade. So just some of the concepts you were speaking of and where we're going and this fresh start that can lead us to, um, you know, not just survival, but thrival and hopefully to become one of those, you know, ribbon centigenarians. Is that what we call them? Centenarians. I added a G in there. You get an extra G. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) You could be right. Um, I don't even know. Yeah. No, I no, I'm just I could be talking about a vitamin pills for all I know. (laughs) Who knows? Um, but yeah, so I mean that's why we're here today is to talk about Taurus season. Uh, and I guess we could say Taurus eclipse season too, because we are gonna have an eclipse here and we get an eclipse right before we start into Taurus season. Um, so we are just definitely in that zone. So to think about some of these, um, you know, grander concepts uh, to live a, uh, you know, our best life as we go into this, this time period is uh, a useful reminder. So thank you for that, Taylor. <laughs> Absolutely. So, all right, well, let us get into um, a little bit of what, what, what does Taurus season have in, in store? You know, we're getting out of a a pretty dynamic period, astrologically speaking, like I just said, with the, you know, March and early April, having all these different ingresses, um, Saturn, Pluto, Mars. Um, We're getting, you know, as we speak here, we are getting to a a slower and slower Mercury is about to go retrograde soon. Um, And of course, eclipses, like I just mentioned. Um, we We have a lot of things happen in Taurus. So let's just start, let's just do a broad over overview of just Taurus, you know, let's take it back to the basics. Taurus as an energy, you know, that fixed earth, that, that Venus ruled sign. When I say Taurus, what, what do you, what do you say, Taylor? When you say Taurus, I say slow, rich in the multifaceted, uh, meanings of that word. And hardworking, really slow, really enduring. Mm-hmm. And I already feel that. <laughs> I already feel that. Too. Those, literally, yeah. Food, earth. Um, those are the things that I think about. So I think about our food systems. I think about um, the people that I know who are Tauruses who are just, you know, uh, some people know Tauruses and they just like want to like lay around and nap all day and cuddle. They absolutely do want to cuddle. But if you put a, an ounce of Virgo or an ounce of Capricorn in with a Taurus sun, you're going to get someone who more, in my experience, more than more likely than not is going to be an extremely hard worker. 
who likes an occasional nap. Who uh, needs, <laughs> needs an, nap. an occasional Absolutely nap. Absolutely needs a nap <laughs> every single day, needs to sleep really well. Yeah, that's so funny. I had a I had an ex-partner who is, was a Virgo sun, but had a Taurus moon and, you know, could go out in there, work, do every, you know, just work hard, do it all. But man, can that man nap? That mm-hmm. man could, at the drop of a hat, that man could be asleep. Like home, <laughs> home from work on the couch did, does not even make it to the bed. Absolutely. Oh no. Just yeah. like, could be actually doing something. And fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like eating. <laughs> like that big burrito and then asleep. Yeah, absolutely. You're not, you're not done yet. Come, <laughs> come on. Yeah, no, I love yeah. that though. But it's a good reminder as we go into this uh, season, um, uh, especially coming out of Aries season. Maybe we do need a nap. We, you know, we've been going uh, so hard or there's just been a lot of... Um, just that fiery energy, especially with Jupiter, you know, Taylor and I are actually speaking here today on the sun Jupiter, uh, conjunction. I think literally actually it was, it was 23 minutes ago. So we just conjuncted here. Um, so hopefully we're getting some of that special inspiration into the program here today, but there is something to be said about that Taurus energy that comes after Aries, uh, and it just being so different, you know, and though the, that's the, that's the energy of those aversion signs, right? They just send us into something that's so different. Yeah. Going from that really hot and fast and quick and impulsive to the very slow and very thoughtful, uh, grounded energy. Practical. And so it's interesting too, because when we think about Taurus, we got to think about Venus, right? You know, what, what's Venus doing in the sky? Cause that's going to add a little information to the flavor of our Taurus season. And uh, another hot move in the sky that just happened uh, yesterday was Venus moving into Gemini. So Venus is going to be in Gemini and cancer for the, uh, for the sun stay in um, Taurus. And so that adds another whole nother flavor to this, right? Even though we have that slowing down, we have that very, at least in the first half, we have that very social Gemini energy, but then we move into that. Maybe some of the things we just talked about, you know, napping while you're eating when Venus <laughs> moves into cancer. Um, but uh, I mean, what do you think about, what do you think about Venus just being in Gemini uh, in that placement? Well, it's interesting because we're going to have Venus in Gemini and then we'll still have Venus being ruled by Mercury and Taurus for the entire time that Venus is in Gemini. And then later in the month uh, or later during this uh, solar season, when uh, Venus moves into Cancer, you know, then we've got the moon involved, but Mercury is still going to be in Taurus. So we still have a lot of that Taurus energy. But I think that Venus moving into Gemini brings us the air that we've been needing because for a while we've just had Pluto and Aquarius. We haven't had a lot of air in the sky. And so the journey of Venus from, you know, figuring out who she is and what she wants and what she needs to then be able to talk about it is so important, especially in the context of the lunations that we're having this month. So I think that it's wonderful to have a little bit of that more enthusiastic, playful, energy that's really curious and brings us really good necessary information in a way that is relatable and understandable because it's going to really help bring out some of the positive aspects i think of 
the lunations and the transits that we're having throughout the month. So I'm excited for Venus to be in Gemini. Yeah. And in, um, yeah, I think you're absolutely right because the, well, and she's so purposeful there right now for a couple of reasons, right? You know, she's coming over to smooth over Mars's mess, <laughs> you know, after Mars being, uh, you know, we've been traveling through that Gemini sector for quite some um, time. You know, we just got a break, obviously, with Mar- when Mars moved out and into Cancer. Um, but it's interesting to have her coming along here um, to tie things together, right? Uh, what maybe Mars drew apart or started to separate or started to agitate or even activate in some way. Um, so I like her there too. And especially when we're in all this Aries energy right now. And like you said, there hasn't been much air and maybe there's inspiration and maybe there's transition happening as we start to feel out Saturn and Pisces and, um, you know, and and just that rooted, you know, keeping it here with the survival or what we're building in these longer foundations with Taurus. But how do, you know, how do we use our creativity to come up with, uh, you know, new ideas and talk it out with people and get other people on board, right? It's like that, just that connector uh, of energy of ideas and um, just a a people. Uh, So I, I, I really like that she's there because I think she serves more of a purpose um, than maybe even just a little bit of flighty fun and a little social time, which obviously she's going to give us. But I think her being there to help maybe connect certain pieces and possibilities is going to be a worthwhile thing too. Absolutely. And just one other thing I forgot to mention is that Venus in Gemini is going to trine the Venus star point that we had October 22nd Mm. of 2022, I believe it was. And that is going to be really helpful. And so I think it's important to remember the larger context of some of these ingresses and transits because we're in a Venus in Libra star point point cycle right now. And so the whole point of this Venus cycle and Venus's transits is to help us to do that Venus sun in Libra a little bit better. So how is this information going to help us do the balancing, do... Philanthropy is really a Venus and Libra, uh, a Venus Libra star point thing as well. Andrew Carnegie was a Venus Libra star point. So how can we come together and partner better and have conversations about that as well? Mm, I love that. Well, especially as you pointed out a couple of minutes ago about Mercury getting ready to go retrograde, right? You know, there's... um yeah, there's there might be some unfinished business in these areas and like little pieces to to parcel out there um, with these connections and who we're working with, the ideas we have, what you know, how we're yeah. So Mercury will be an interesting piece in this all, and we'll definitely talk about Mercury going retrograde here. Um, but one of the, I mean, obviously, one of the big things uh, with uh, there's. This season, every time I do a season, I'm like, this is a big season. And then then it comes along and I'm like, well, this is a big season too. Because basically we have a solar eclipse as far as like the lunar overview of Taurus season. We have a solar eclipse at 29 degrees of Aries. Obviously that's not in Taurus, but I mean, it moves into Taurus like hours after the eclipse takes place. Squares Pluto. And then moves on to have fixed quarters, um, you know, squares, and of course that lunar eclipse in Scorpio. So 
with a, in a Taurus new moon that ends the season. So the lunation cycle is very dynamic. Um, and there's something to be said about where this season leads us into, because one of the big things of Taurus season is that Jupiter is going to move into Taurus. Um, and if you've been following some of the previous broadcasts and especially the year ahead, you might remember that, uh, Jupiter is going to come in square Pluto. Um, and then Mars is going to move into Leo too, and make a T square with those three planets, which is highly activating, um, in our personal lives, but on the world sphere as well. So, you know, we start off with eclipses and we end the season with this, uh, hell of a T-square um, going yeah. on. Um, Arguably the biggest thing since 1929 in terms of our economy. Yeah. At least. Yeah. Um, so I, I know we'll get into it. I'm, I'm trying to I know, I'm all, <laughs> I'm all mm, well, you know, let's touch a little bit just on Jupiter and Taurus just in general. I'm going to do uh, just a heads up. The next program coming out, there'll be uh, Wade Caves is going to join me to do an episode on Jupiter and Taurus. So, uh, you know, hey, you know, hang, hang in there for that. But let's do a little spoiler alerts. Um, I mean, what you just said, I mean, we're talking about Taurus, we're talking about economy, we're talking about, uh, you know, the the corporate world again, which you just said you're very familiar with there. And so, I mean, what are your thoughts on Jupiter moving into Taurus and even this first activation? Hell of an entrance, right? Hell of an entrance. <laughs> Hell of an entrance. It's going to square Pluto immediately within hours of its entrance. It will square a day. It'll square Pluto. Uh, it's going to meet up with the North Node. And the last time that Jupiter, or maybe not the last, I don't want to say the last time, but the last time we had a solar eclipse in uh, Aries, at least, and I'm not, I can't recall if it was Vedic, like if it was uh, sidereal or tropical, but we had the same stuff going on in 1929 when the stock market crashed, essentially. So Pluto square the nodes plus Jupiter on the north node. Um, so yes, it's nice to talk about like Jupiter and Taurus, but you can't ignore the fact that Jupiter is going to square Pluto and it's going to hit the north node because that's what we're going to feel. And we're going to, um, also feel, you know, then it'll sextile Saturn, which might be helpful, but um, it's also going to, as soon as it uh, hits that um, that square to Pluto and Aquarius, that is also at 0021 minutes of Taurus, the opening square to the Saturn-Jupiter conjunction in Aquarius that happened on December what was it, 19th or 20th? 19th or 20th, yeah. Yeah, of 2020. 2020. And so that's really important to, to note as well that we're reaching a really critical juncture uh, of that one year into the pandemic, nine months into the pandemic kind of thing, which, you know, nine months, that's a lunar <laughs> cycle right there. Um, so that's that's my first impressions is huge shakeups potentially in the economy. Um, but some of the positive things that Jupiter can bring us, you know, Jupiter's about philosophy, Jupiter's about teaching, Jupiter's about abundance, uh, learning. I think it can be about regenerative healing. Uh, I think it can be about uh, cultural relativity and uh, generosity, understanding, quality of life. Uh, it can be about equity and some of what it will allow for is the expansion of hopefully conversations about our food system, hopefully 
it would be nice to, especially in the United States where we live, to look at the inputs into our food because we still do have Uranus there in Taurus, right? So it will meet up with Uranus. And it's really important that we're looking at how we are growing our food and what inputs we're putting into our food, like the chemicals, especially because I think more and more we're seeing how the pesticides that we use and the inputs into farming are actually creating, I don't know, like nano or whatever microscopic things that we're not exactly aware of yet in terms of the science, how it's impacting us, but people are, are sicker. You know, we might be living longer, but at the same time, people are sicker here, I think, than they are in many other parts of the world. And so if we can look at our food system and look at how we farm industrially and find more regenerative ways of doing that, that would be a wonderful use of Jupiter and Taurus. And then from the side, uh, just looking at the economy, you know, if we're talking about Taurus and money and values, how are we expanding our philosophies and our conversations about how we distribute or redistribute wealth and how we use not just money, but all eight forms of capital that are available to us? And how can we learn from other cultures and, um, and even cultures can be just like other regions or other states or other communities and then share that information using that Jupiterian ability to expand, but also to teach and spread information in ways that are really simple, right? That's Taurus is like really simple, really grounded, really practical, very basic, very foundational so that people get their resource needs met because resource needs are another Taurus signification as well. Yeah. And there's been... There's- I mean, it's an ongoing problem, obviously, with the uh, the problem that many people don't think is a problem because life just hums along as it is. But if you know, if you're looking a little deeper, or you put certain you know signs together, or are on maybe more of a holistic path, you you know, these things have been there for quite a while, like our food resources and. Um, you know, what we're ingesting, how does that help us live, you know, a calm, peaceful, (laughs) grounded existence? Obviously, you know, go to the grocery store. I mean, my grocery bills, uh, you know, almost doubled than what it was, you know, a handful of years ago. And, and, and then there's still supply issues of certain things. And even with that, you know, think about how hard it was to get an egg a couple, a couple months ago with, uh, you know, the bird, uh, flu epidemic and then how those animals are, you know, um, kept and caged and like all these things, you know, so I'm sure Jupiter will absolutely touch on this. And, and it's true because this is, that's the thing that's makes this time so interesting but also a bit exciting is because of those activations, right? You know, like Jupiter squaring Pluto. This is, uh, you know, the the second activation of the uh, Jupiter-Pluto conjunctions that happened in 2020. Of course, we've already had the sextile, um, but the square is a different story, right? You know, this is an activation of a much bigger story and the pandemic was definitely aligned with Jupiter-Pluto action, of course, Saturn-Pluto too. Um, But, you know, the whole the whole world naturally shut down, especially here in America on that at first exact Jupiter Pluto conjunction. So here we are at the opening of all that that's happened. And then, like you said, the, you know, Jupiter is going to sextile Saturn, which is the first activation of the Jupiter Saturn conjunction that happened at that exact point. So, you know, we're at this critical piece of time that is, 
moving forward a much longer trajectory of just how we're, you know, evolving as people and solving problems in this current day and age. Um, so more problems are going to come up. That's just the nature, right? You know, because <laughs> these are very complex um, issues that can't be solved overnight. But the, I think there's going to be some big announcements that help some other problems or, you know, uh, some other themes that might've started, uh, during, you know, 2020 and 2021. Um, and you know, and even 2022, because we are hot off the tails of Saturn Uranus. So this is also building that storyline too. So I guess at the end of the, at the end of the day, hold on to your hats. We have forward movement taking place. It may or may not be, uh, comfortable, but it will be necessary. And hopefully we will have practical solutions to whatever is uh, arising and that we will take the turtles advice, slow and steady wins the race. (laughs) Absolutely. Slow and steady wins the race. And I think that that's applicable as well, because I don't, I don't want to say that just when Jupiter moves into Taurus, that's when everything happens. I think it's going to be a second shape. We felt the first shape what the week before Pluto moved into Aquarius. And I think that this is going to be the second shake that we feel, but there's a lot more that's going to happen. And when I reference the stock uh, market crash of 1929, I do want to say the first shake was when uh, Jupiter was in Taurus with the North Node and it was also with Chiron. And we are coming off the Jupiter-Chiron conjunction. Now that was an Aries, mm-hmm. but the proximity and time is going to be felt And it wasn't until Jupiter moved into Gemini, which for us won't happen until May of next year of 2024. And so I think that it is the story of the year. And I'm not convinced that there's any one day or one event, but a series of activations that will happen that will kind of be that Pluto and Aquarius and then going back into Capricorn, like dissolving of our current structures and systems so that we can build a new world. Which, you know, enter Mercury retrograding, which, you you know, normally Mercury retrogrades all the time, right? We kind of, we make jokes about it. We kind of get used to it, you know, but there is something to be said about Mercury, who is essentially that planet of commerce and transaction. And, you know, and here it is about to go retrograde in um Taurus and a day at you know less than a 48 hours after uh, eclipse um and it doesn't make it all the way to Uranus it stations right before it gets to Uranus and whenever a planet does that it's building a much larger story that it just leads us up to something and it's like oh hold on we we coming back and so there's something to be said about everything that you just said in relation to just Mercury sort of like, you know, Mercury playing that psychopomp, right? And ushering us in um, to a Jupiter-Pluto activation, essentially, Um, which is, you know, universal timing. You can't tell you. (laughs) Yeah. And so do I have it right that the Mercury stations retrograde at 15 degrees, 37 minutes of Taurus? I believe so. Let's yeah, 15, see. With here. So, yeah, 1537. And 15. So almost there. Yeah, it's the world point. So, and we've been dealing with this world point with Uranus there for quite some time now. But whenever we have uh, 
planet doing something on a world point. This is big world news. And so it's uh, just really interesting to look at. You know, I like to look at things like the Sabian symbols and uh, just the fixed stars as well. And uh, we've got some interesting fixed stars at 14 degrees. So we've got uh, Almach, which is about success in Venusian occupations and about artistic ability, popularity, and it's kind of fortunate. But then we also have Menkar, which is uh, about not so nice things, <laughs> um, especially like the sudden emergence of some unconscious issues that could come up. And so with the moon there, especially, thanks for bringing up that chart. I like, know, look at that moon right on it as it stations. We're going to feel it. We're going to feel it. And on a collective level, because the moon in mundane astrology is the people. So this is here to really have the people perhaps stop and slow down and have their voice become much louder. That would be one way we could look at it, especially with Uranus there. Um, and especially because we've got Mars sextile. When you've got Mars, Uranus, Mercury, the moon, I think this is like a very loud voice. And in a sextile, you're, it's going to be a, a loud and effective voice, but it can be sudden, like an outcry almost. So I'm curious what will happen, especially because of that um, solar eclipse. This is literally just, you know, 15 degrees after is the day after, like you said, after the solar eclipse. And at 29 degrees of Aries, we have another fixed star, uh, Alrisha, which is about unifying influence with groups. And for me, the whole nodal story and the eclipse story really is about how individuals are coming together to honor our own individuality and our own dignity and human rights uh, in groups and also look at, you know, continuing the story of um, sort of like executives and CEOs and how we have all of these people who have been laid off or there's these charismatic individuals who are taking leadership positions and have exorbitant pay and how are we collectively standing up and saying, we're thousands, if not millions or hundreds of people and you're one person and there's all of this wealth here and wealth is a tourist thing. So I think, um, you know, it is about this larger story of people coming together to have a voice to express that our individual needs should be met uh, in a way where we can enjoy life and not have to suffer and struggle. And one charismatic leader doesn't get to just like take everything and leave other people hungry and, and needing support or, you know, because most people I think live paycheck to paycheck. So if there are going to be layoffs and things like that, it's how are we taking care of people? How are we taking care of each other? Yeah. And I mean, that really speaks to the whole uh, Pluto and Aquarius. Uh, I mean, that's power to the people essentially. And we're just going to get that started here. And of course we have this uh, eclipse that is about to kick us into Taurus season um, that, as you said, activates that, right? Because that is going to be a huge theme, you know, that's the, in the wealth divide has already been a huge theme for quite some time um, from, from the start of all humanity. Uh, but you know, it's more so than, than usual. And I mean, even when we had the Pluto ingress just recently and, you know, what's making the front page, uh, over there in France, 
people the French, you know, if anybody knows how to protest, it's the French. They sure do. You know, viva la grève. They know. <laughs> they know. They're like, we're not going to sit around, and you're going to you got to say. And I love how that many people will take to the streets to be like, you're not going to make me work for two years longer. You know, I mean, some people would be like, do I have it in me to disrupt my comfort to go argue for two years of my time? You know, no, not in France. You know, like it's half the the point of it. You know. It's the, the, uh, what is it, the egalite <laughs> of it all. Um, yeah. and the fact that I think, you know, some, some people like it's a real tradition in, in France, like it's part of their people to get up and just rise up and like protest power for like, I don't, I wouldn't say it's fun. I mean, they don't want to disrupt their whole thing, but there is just this union of people that come together and be like, yes, we're doing that, you know, like, and I had admire that so much about the French. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And there's so much about what's going on there that is Pluto and Aquarius, obviously, because it echoes the French Revolution and the American Revolution, but also just the nodal axis right now in Aries and Libra and Taurus and Scorpio. And so the, the nodes are in Taurus and Scorpio still. And what are we seeing? We're seeing them eating in restaurants like the French do on, you know, out on the street, open air and piles of garbage, Scorpio. So the eating is the Taurus and the piles of garbage are, is the Scorpio, but also the emotions that come with it, right? There's also a fire there that someone has set, but people are still sitting and eating their food. And that emotion, you know, fire could be seen as the Aries, literally fire, um, and Mars ruling both Aries and Scorpio. Uh, and then, um, but also like the emotion that you feel when you see fire and you see protest is very Scorpio as well. So, and what do we do at the end of this month? We close it with an eclipse, <laughs> uh, on that, on that Taurus and Scorpio axis. So. Yeah, it's a um, we're we're in a time right now. We're in a time, so just keep that in mind. As you know, tour season is gonna, <laughs> is basically going to start with uh, quite the entrance with a solar eclipse, and sometimes it could be loud and out there. I mean, it is going to be a solar eclipse at you know an anoretic degree of Aries. This is an outward you know fiery sign, so um, it can absolutely kind of like be kicked off with something that just feels very in your face, um, pun intended, I suppose. <laughs> um, but it really just immediately takes us right to, and we've already been talking about it, that sun Pluto square and those power dynamics and, uh, just the way our, our lives and our world are changing on this, these very stable levels, right. You know, we're talking about fixed signs here. Um, so and we're getting, a, we're getting another taste of that, that Pluto in Aquarius. It's, and that's just the way we start this season, right? And there's just there the moon is waxing. Like it, it's such an interesting start. Um, and it doesn't happen every day where we get a, a a new moon that's at the final degree of a sign and it starts up a whole new cycle of how like just the lunar activity uh takes place. Cause we've been having all these new moons at the very early degrees of a sign for for many months now. So there might just be a general shift that starts to take place um that is rather than starting all this fresh new it's it's almost like what's being started is maybe wrapping up old or expired or things that um are were on the back burner but now like 
okay, this, these are old stories. These are old agendas. This is, but how do we complete that? What do we do um, for, you know, even kind of crisis-y type of uh, modes, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I think it's, it's the end of something, but the end and the beginning at the same time, because we know in the anoretic degrees, 27, 28, 29 degrees of a sign, we're on the precipice of a change of a really major change. That's how I see this energy. It's, I, I think the 29, the anoretic degree, I got a ton of it in my chart. It's, it's very wanting to move, wanting things to change very quickly. And so that's where you get that crisis that you're talking about for sure. And I'm reminded of how Noel Till looked at Sun and Pluto, at least in the nativity, as he would say, the blanket over the hand grenade. And so sort of like, you know, how do you describe that? It's like, let's, you know, you could say walking on eggshells around the person who's about to explode or like trying to make something look nice when there is about to be, you know, a big explosion and like hiding the fact that there's a crisis or, um, like that literally a bombshell is about to come out and it's like, that does nothing. You know, putting a blanket over a hand grenade does absolutely nothing. It doesn't help anyone, but it's almost like a last ditch attempt at, um, keeping things the way that they, they are, are. And have been. Yeah. Yeah. Too late. And, uh, too late. Too late. And it, it's just interesting to think about here as, you know, in the U S too, as we start to get closer and closer to the whole political cycle that goes on and people are going to be starting to announce, you know, candidacies and things along those lines. I mean, it'll be very interesting to see kind of what comes to the, the surface around this time with all that too. So um, and then, of course, you know, what we just said, we go immediately into Mercury retrograding here. So add a little stick to that spoke um, <laughs> as we just kick off into this, this uh, you know, eclipse energy, right? Because we're moving to a lunar eclipse in Scorpio. So it's, I'm trying to think about, has there been, a, I, don't, I, I mean, there obviously has been, I'm trying to think last time we had like eclipse seasons with Mercury retrograde at the same time does anything come to your off the top of your head and it's okay if it doesn't but I'm just... uh, well i know that mercury just moved into the into earth i don't even remember last year yeah so, um, do you remember back in 50 years ago when I, the? <laughs> yeah. yeah i'll have to do some little research on that um but it's just interesting to think of um that whole chain with venus being in in gemini and then you know, Venus and Mercury being in that mutual, uh, reception slash generosity slash aversion, uh, with one another here. Yeah. And what does it say to us? Like, what is the message of that? It's time for a change, but first we have to stop, slow down, reevaluate, think about, talk about our values and what's important for us before we move forward. Reevaluate, you know, that's a, that's a great word, right? That's the whole, that's a big thing with Venus and Taurus is, is value consciousness. Um, and, you know, I've said this many times on the podcast is like your values set up everything. And if you don't live by them and a lot of us don't, and I'm, you know, I'm guilty. I am so guilty. I'll like fall, I'll fall off that value train. I will fall off that train will crash. <laughs> Um, but then you end up in this destination that you're like, how the hell did I get here? And you're like, oh, cause you didn't align with your values and what was important in your life. And so, uh, how do you get back on that train? Um, so to speak. So 
that might be a big thing with this Mercury retrograde. And also just some of the things that you brought up earlier, thinking about um, our economic needs and these longer term, you know, speaking of someone in their middle age who didn't prepare well in my younger age, you know, I'm at a part where I'm like, okay, I have to really um, get this, get this bus rolling. If I want to retire someday, you know, like uh, I don't live paycheck to paycheck, but I also don't have that retirement fund, you know, like, so these bigger decisions of like that take time, that take patience, that take pragmatism of how to best use resource in a way that, um, supports you in a, in a, in a longer fashion. So, I mean, that's just, Maybe that's my own experience, but some things. No, I think it's a very common experience. And I think that it shouldn't be that difficult. And lots of information has come out over the past few years, especially as millennials. We find ourselves in these positions where it's impossible because many of us graduated uh, into the recession of 2008. Mm. And so that increasingly is going to become the story where we have some Gen Xers who, you know, are, are, fine or whatever, boomers who are fine, boomers who are not, you know, we have people of all generations who are at all different places, but, you know, we've got baby boomers who at least, you know, had the structural societal, um, the societal structure in place that made quote unquote, doing the right thing and checking all the boxes. Like in most cases, things worked out for you. Whereas gen, uh, gen X millennials, gen Z, et cetera, checking the boxes is no longer enough. And if anything happened to you that kind of threw you off within the last, I'd say, 15 years, 20 years, doesn't matter if, what generation you're a part of. Um, and so it just shouldn't be that hard. And I have to say, I keep having this image come in my head and I'd like it to go away. But since it's not going away, I'm just going to sh- say it out loud. Um, it does come back to that 1929 and just seeing people in line for food. And I feel like this Mercury retrograde may, especially because it's on a world point, bring up old images of things that make us think about the past and how things were, what parts of those we want to keep and what parts of those we don't want. And then how do those images evoke what we're going through now, especially because Mercury can be those images and especially with the sun and the moon there at the same time we're going to sit, you know, because the luminaries roll the eyes. So I think there, and Uranus brings in like that divine inspiration. And so um, I'm just trying to see the moon is in this, what you've got right now, the moon is trying Neptune. So again, it's like photographs, right? Or no, um, sextile. Sorry, thank you. Um, moon is sextile Neptune. And so I think we may see a lot of images from a long time ago that are evoking how we feel now and saying, is that how we want to live? Or do we want to have new images for our life that people can look back on in the same amount of time and say, they really did it differently? Yeah. I mean, are you able to learn from the past or not? You know, when you, when you see the same setups and you see the same problems in humanity, do you just follow the same lines or do you, do you take that in and be like, I don't want to be that again. What do we need to change to do that? You know? And it's interesting just seeing, because at this point, you know, uh, we have, and it's already happened. uh, I think this happened in Aries season, but just having Saturn being in this flow with the the nodes too. 
um, and thinking about these the, the placement of the the bigger systems uh, in place and how they're they are or not helping the the people and, and their needs and people who are suffering um, and people who need help. You know, I think these are definitely themes of Saturn and Pisces that are going to c- carry out for the next couple of years. Um, whoa, there's a there's a cat going crazy outside right now. So <laughs> just uh no one else can hear that, but I just want you to know there is a cat going crazy right now as we're talking about this. Um yeah. So anyways, talk about Mars and Gemini diversion. My <laughs> I'm like, but no, I, I think you're right. So do we re- replicate that image? Is that image today or is that image in the past? And we learn um from uh those resource challenges and meet to today and our issues that are in front of us now um, in, in new ways. And I think that might be actually a big part of the fact that Mercury doesn't, Mercury stations in proximity to Uranus, but doesn't meet it, right? Like what's mm. the breakthrough? What's the what's the solution or what's the next step? What do we do differently? Uh, how do we approach that? Well, we might not know. Maybe that is part of it, right? That we go through um, these eclipses and this this backwards motion uh, to eventually get to that Mercury-Uranus conjunction that will hopefully give us some of these things that we're looking for. Yeah. And, you know, I I don't think I mentioned it before, but one of the things that I integrate with my astrology is permaculture, which is about, uh, it's a nature-based design system with several ethics about caring for people, the earth, and uh, giving people a fair share, and also some principles. And I think that there are several of the permaculture principles that really apply to this Mercury retrograde in Taurus. And that's, you know, the first thing is that we're being invited to observe and interact our surround with our surroundings, which Mercury does all of the time, right? Especially with Venus and Gemini, that's observing and interacting. And the retrograde is about applying self-regulation and accepting feedback. Uh, and then I think that what you said about uh, Mercury not quite meeting up with Uranus, it will eventually, but it doesn't before it stations, is this invitation about how do we creatively use and respond to change? Because we can feel with the eclipses that and the lunations at, at anoretic degrees, change is coming. And with the planets all moving into new signs, change is coming. So uh, how do we creatively use and respond to change? And then Taurus is about using small and slow solutions. Um, and then uh, also, again, that that Venus and Mercury combination, I think, is uh, about designing in new ways from big patterns down to the details. So, uh, and if we do this, the reason that I use permaculture is because it's about creating regenerative which goes beyond sustainability, regenerative mm. systems and a regenerative future. And so if we really lean into some of those principles, I think that's how we can use a lot of this energy. Mm, I love that. You know, we talk a lot about sustainability and that is absolutely important in the world we live in. We don't want to destroy it all and then not have it, <laughs> you know, we'll be able to sustain ourselves and the other ecological systems that are, uh, you know, abide with us. But there is something to be said about what you just used there with the term regenerative. There's one thing to sustain something, but I mean, something can only sustain itself for so long unless it's regenerating. Like that's, that's a big, big piece of it. Um, and maybe where Pluto comes in, right? You know, there's that regenerative force that um, Pluto essentially is. Uh, 
as it burns down all the crops to like, <laughs> or just fire in general. I mean, Pluto gets that regenerative, um, you know, rebirth energy, but just it fire as an element um, does too. And so there's something to be said about the eclipse and, you know, just Jupiter's still there, et cetera. Um, but yeah, so let us move along. We got plenty to talk about here uh, today. So let us go on to, I mean, later that week, basically we're going to sum it up to that eclipse period, uh, up until first quarter in Leo, which is going to be Thursday, uh, April 27th. I feel like I didn't even say when we came in as like Taurus season starting, um, it was, (laughs) was on Thursday, was on Thursday, April 20th. If you didn't get that, basically we have an eclipse on the 19th or 20th, depending on where you are, uh, in the world. Taurus season ingresses starts. We have that Mercury retrograde on the 21st. Uh, and then we're working our way towards that Leo first quarter on Thursday, the 27th. Um, but uh, yeah, so there's obviously it's just a lot kicking it off, right? We just talked about the Mercury retrograde and all the just opening uh, moon moves. Uh, that Mercury retrograde making a sextile to Mars, which will be on the 23rd on that Sunday. And this is the second sextile, right? You know, this has already happened, uh, made one pass because of Mercury uh, slowing down and Mars not being very fast itself. So they met in a sextile a couple of weeks earlier. Um, of course, I'm just trying to get the date off the top of my head here, but it has eluded me. I know it just, I feel like it just happened anyways. Well, just know that it happened before. So there could be something that kind of like picks up from that previous, um, transit that then is revisited, right? Then revised, re-re as Mercury likes to do um, during that time. And so the next thing that basically happens, and we've already kind of allude, started to allude to it, is that Sun-North Node meeting, right? You know, um, it's the last time the Sun's going to make a conjunction to uh, the North Node in Taurus for quite some time here. Yeah. Yep. And I'm trying to remember last year if it met up at the world point. I think it was around a little around there, or it might have been a little bit closer to um the Oh, let's get over here. Uh 22, 22 yeah. Taurus. 22 Taurus. But uh Uranus was on 15. <laughs> yeah, I knew there there's something there about that world point um with that last sun north node conjunction um and did i forget what day well it would have been at 22 whenever the day when the sun is always at 22 degrees of taurus so that's when it was um and um and so that's around may 16th ish uh and yeah i think that it's an opportunity to illuminate our path to the future and it's an opportunity for us to think about leadership in new ways and how we want to use our energy, especially how we want to use our Taurus energy and how we can do it differently. One way to look at the North node is, you know, we don't get enough of it, or, you know, maybe we'll like be tired or something. We'll get burned out because like there's too much sun energy. But another way to look at the North node is we've never done this before. So if we've never done it, what a wonderful opportunity to do it differently. And and to do it right, right? Because 
you know, I love that Saturn is sextiling into this um, as the sun meets the North Node, right? So there is just this, you know, whenever the sun and Saturn, especially when they flow together, there's more of a, uh, you know, I feel like we got a solid sense when those two meet in a harmonious sense, What you know, whether it is that we're you know, what our long-term plan is or more sort of just the future goal or just seeing how our life is structured, having a more pragmatic view. And so to get this sort of like ev- evolutionary, you know, ping, so to speak, with this, the, you know, the illumination of the sun on the North Node and then having Saturn um, in a sign that speaks of, you know, transcendence in a way and more spirituality-based, um, you know, because that's all, that's a thing. It's a, what are we doing on this earth? Essentially, most of us are trying to take our spiritual self and meet it with the physical self. And that's not always an easy thing to do. (laughs) Um, But there's something to be said about a mundane aspect like this, where, you know, maybe that's possible for in just that moment, something comes together, whether it's just something you sense inside or an actual event. Um, I feel like it's more internalized just because of the, you know, yin nature of the signs. But, um, yeah, yeah. I think also if we're talking about earth and water, that's a very fertile aspect. So an opportunity to seed something new. And I, you said transcendence, absolutely. And transparency. So transparency that transcends the typical, and transparency amongst our leaders with Saturn and the sun there and transparency that honors our material and spiritual needs and our material and physical needs and our emotional needs, as well as caring for the planet and the environment in more transparent ways by sharing information and also honoring our own individual sovereignty and using that Pisces energy to lean into compassion and understanding and perhaps even communication with the earth in new ways that we were not aware of before. I I hope so. That all sounds great. That all sounds amazing. I want to live in that world. Can we... (laughs) we live in that world. <laughs> I do have a lot of Pisces energy. So my rose colored glasses show a little bit sometimes they're invisible, oh, uh, but yeah, I get it. I have a, I have a Pisces South node. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's there. Um, it's interesting when you use the word, just personal sovereignty, because I think that's a big thing about when we think about just the pushing off energy. Sure. We had a, uh, Okay. How do I put this into words past my abstract brain thinking? So we had a solar eclipse in Aries, which is very personal, very self. But when we talk about that sovereignty piece and the sun, um, you know, this is very Leo uh, to me in nature. And so we have a first quarter um, with in, in Leo, basically, uh, just a few days later, on the 27th here. And so just that kind of that term, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of self energy, even though we're in, we have all this collective sphere stuff going on and we have planets that are activating, you know, just uh, the backdrop and that we live in. There's something to be said about all this personal energy that's really being um, activated at this particular time between the Aries energy and then that first quarter on Thursday, April 27th in Leo, which let's be honest, you know, Leo, 
Leo Moon can be a little dramatic, especially during a first quarter. So, uh, you know, we got a Mercury retrograde that is getting closer to the sun and definitely combust at this time. <laughs> um, so it could be a little hot to trot in, in the skies uh, at the later part of this week. Um, but it could also be very just creative and like fired up and just passionate about, okay, I've got these ideas. I've been chewing over this. I've like, I had my solar North node hit and, you know, like I'm in my heart and I'm doing my thing. Um, but everybody could be doing that thing. And that's where, you know, they get a little crunchy, um, at times, but I feel like it's going to be very lively, I guess is what I'm saying. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that I love to do is just look at people with uh, sun moon combinations to see what kind of lessons we can gather, or what we might be able to expect. And there's a couple things, but the, before I get there, I just want to point out that the, that Mars is reporting to the moon in Leo. So Mars is, um, and Leo, oh. you know, Mars has triplicity, uh, uh. in Leo as well. And so That'll be interesting to see how our Martian needs for that Cancerian security and nourishment are met by this moon in Leo that goes out. But some of the people who have this combination of sun in Taurus and moon in Leo are being Crosby. So, um, you know, we've got art there and um, Joseph Pulitzer Jr., who was like the Pulitzer Prize person's like son or nephew, something like that. But his, uh, if you look him up, he had a house full of artwork, which just seems so like extravagant Leo and also tourist like expensive artwork in someone's house. Uh, Kirsten Dunst and Lance Bass and you kind of, and Renee Zellweger. And if you, you can kind of like see that what they have in common there, <laughs> like they have this energy that's like really slow and quiet, but yet they are performers and they want to get out there. And it's like this quiet kind of performing. But I think when you get this combination too, the fieriness can actually highlight some of that emotional instability, which um, you know, people that I work with that have the Taurus and Leo combination, and usually there's like some Mars and Saturn involved, which we kind of have to, although they're, you know, different signs, but they're definitely part of the story here is, um, this emotional undercurrent that's kind of hidden. And if you look into Bing Crosby's story, it was like, everyone thought he was amazing and great and wonderful. And his family was like, he was horrible. He was miserable. And I'm not saying that that's what we're going to get with this, but I'm just saying when you have an opening, um, you know, you have this opening square, it is this crisis of consciousness. There's a lot of stuff that needs to get done. Um, and it can bring up that emotional, um, sort of I'm spread too thin and you're asking too much of me, uh, kind of energy. I, I think you're hitting on something there. Um, and the reason being is because, you know, once again, the universe loves to line things up for us that very same day that Mars and cancer we're talking about is also squaring Chiron. Uh, so, you know, that, that's the thing that's you, you know, you always hurt the ones you love. That's, you know, that saying, and it's true. You know, a lot of people can be these like, you know, jolly figures out in the world. And then people are like, you know, you don't know how they are behind the scenes or, or, you know, they're, they're nice to everyone out and then they take it out on their spouse. Like that is a common story. Um, you know, and so that's, 
maybe that's just a thing we need to watch out for at this time too. We are spread a little thin. If we do, we're a little uh, enthusiastic about what we take it, took on or are just in our own place. And then we project or we transfer some of our irritation or frustration out to the people that we care about, um, you know, because Mars is still in fall in cancer and in the most concentrated uh, part of the sign itself. So, and there's been a longer Chiron story going on here. Um, so mm-hmm. just know that that could be, it could be a little a little crunchy, but there's a release that comes not too long after it, right? Because that Mars, as the moon starts to move on um, and gets into that more supportive Virgo uh, placement to help all the earth and, you know, calm it down a little bit then Mars makes a sextile to Uranus. So it like releases some of that and liberates some of that Martian energy that may have been like kind of pent up when all the fire activations were happening. So it's almost like if things get crunchy around the 27th at the end of the week, you know, hang in there through the weekend because there's going to be some sort of, you know, especially once the moon gets to, uh, you know, flow into both Mars and Uranus, it feels like it'll yeah. that steam will vent. <laughs> Absolutely. I, th- I think that's a wonderful way to say it and looking for that opportunity because it might feel like, you know, I look at Mars as not just how we take action and it can be aggression and things like that, but it can also just be our Dharma. And like you said, it's an echoing of, of what a first quarter moon invitation is, is like, what are we doing? How are we taking action? But how is our Dharma working at cross purposes to our own healing? And so when you get that moon, Mars, Uranus, perhaps there is uh, a revelation or just some, you know, something just happens and it's like, oh, it's not an issue anymore. Got it taken care of. But at least you had to think about it for a minute or you did have to show up somewhere and you wouldn't have been in the right place at the right time if the request hadn't been made of you, for example. Mm. And you have to engage with yourself, right? And then you gotta be engage with your with the, <laughs> and be service to uh, yeah yeah so and work, you're gonna feel like you're working hard too at that point because that's that that sun in Taurus moon and Virgo that works works hard and then needs to go to sleep <laughs> yeah that's right that's right I and I feel like you know if you got something to do if you need to get something done at the end of April that weekend April 29th April 30th you got that supportive. It's like Habitat for Humanity. Like if you want to go build a house for someone and that's, uh, there's some weekend energy there. So if you yeah. want to Full weekend. Really volunteer, you could make a really big difference. Yeah. Volunteer, volunteer, good. Do your, if you've had, you've had that thing, you know, that, that, that garage that has, that well, you've been like, yeah. I've, I've been saying I'm going to take it all to the charity or I've been saying, you know. Like get in there because this is, yeah. <laughs> this is, it's, you know, especially since we're kind of clearing out for uh, a South node lunar eclipse that's coming. So if there's, if we're getting to a release point um, as well. So there's something to be said there when we think about kind of clearing um, energy. And the waxing um, gibbous wants us to socialize. It wants us to be with other people. And so does Venus and Gemini. It wants us to be yeah, with That's us. true. That is true. Um so we carry forward over to May 1st and, and May 1st actually takes us to a big event uh, as we start off the week and a new month. And that is Pluto uh, going retrograde. So this whole time, you know, there's, <laughs> we've, we've been feeling the forces of Pluto um, 
just slowing down. And of course that we already talked about that eclipse that's activated it and the sun activated it. So it's like just all this buildup, you know, we've got Pluto making uh stationing retrograde at the same time that we have the sun and Mercury making their inferior conjunction. So that week kind of starts off with a, with a big, um, it'll be interesting to see the news cycle, uh, at the start, <laughs> at the start of that week. That's for sure. Um, yeah. And it's, it's absolutely going to go back to December 21st of 2020 because, uh, this is eight, eight arc minutes different from the Saturn Jupiter conjunction, which was at 29 minutes of Aquarius. So it's stationing right there where that conjunction happened. And I just go back to the and and what happened on that day. I think that's when um, we got some of the economic relief act. I think that's what was going mm. on around that time uh, when Trump was in office. So, and Chiron is all about debt jubilees, you know, and we had this Jupiter Chiron. It's had a little bit of time. We've been talking about student loan. Um, yeah. uh, and with Pluto squaring the nodes with, uh, Jupiter squaring Pluto, it's all about the economy. And so I think part of the story may be more economic relief, or it might be the conversation about, are we going to support the banks? Because there has been more information that's come to light about um, how the banks like need support and people maybe will use that energy I was talking about before with you know the, the sun and the moon together and, and the Mercury retrograde to say like, hey, this is how we feel about what's going on right now with our economy. And this is how we'd like our uh, government to represent us and and act and proceed. And really, some of those themes that you were just talking about there, especially the the student loan forgiveness that's been put on hold with lawsuits and things, and then now these bank uh, bailouts, which seem to always coincide with uh, Pluto moving into a new sign, um, or at least Saturn ruled signs. I, I think that that actually might be. Um, not to say that those things won't be out in the news cycle and more things coming up, but I, it, it seems very apropos for the upcoming uh, Jupiter-Saturn sextile that's coming here soon. Uh, so just some of those themes. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that goes, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean... We, I hope we so. See changes in currency. We see changes in leadership. Um, yeah. You know, the last time it happened, I think the nodes were they were on the cardinal axis and, uh, you know, it was Aries, Libra, Pluto was in Capricorn. And so once we get to July, we are going to see the currency changes happening. Um, Kofi Annan, you know, stepped down and Ban Ki-moon took over. So it's like big leadership changes that can happen um, in major institutions. And this is just beginning the echo. We're probably behind the scenes because it's mm. when it's clandestine, those conversations are going to be happening. And we'll look back at this and see the first conversation and the first hint happened in December of 2020. And now the behind the scenes contracts are signed. And then perhaps when Pluto gets back to the same, yeah. well, information is public. And so that's the same theory, right? That I was just talking about earlier with Mercury and Uranus. Cause what you said, it's within what nine arc minutes, Pluto, but yeah. it retrogrades. It doesn't mean it doesn't make it to the actual yeah. degree. And so it's not going to do that until 2024. Um, or yeah, 2024, uh, cause it, you know, what doesn't move back in right till January, I think next year. Um, so it, it's, in, that's interesting. That's interesting. So if you, if you are an investigator, you like to track such things as we obviously do, 
get in there. I have a feeling there's going to be some uh, interesting astrology correspondences that happen with just some of these, um, yeah. these placements that we're seeing right now. Yeah. And you mentioned the Jupiter sextile um, Saturn. I think that's, isn't it June 19th? So it's out of the season. But yeah, it's, it's not the season, but it's, yeah. it's coming. But that's an it's investment coming. opportunity. And I think a lot of Pluto and Aquarius is about using technology, obviously, but also uh, collective power and moving more towards cooperatively owned uh, businesses and organizations and cooperative leadership, more flat than hierarchical organizations. And so I wonder if part of the synthesis of this, um, you know, the investment opportunity plus collective plus technology, it's about the behind the scenes things that are happening in um, like IPOs, like public offerings and stock stocks coming up and, um, and offerings like that, that people are thinking about making investment opportunities in new technologies like ChatGPT, like um, uh, what's that one, Substack. Uh, mm-hmm. They recently decided that they're going to go public and uh, you can buy uh, shares or support them somehow. So uh, I think that's going to be part of the story. All right. Stay tuned, everyone. There's a, <laughs> and there's something to be said about that, right? We're getting into this other side of Mercury uh, making that inferior Kazemi to the sun and everybody thinks, oh, you know, it all happens after Mercury, you know, retrograde, but that's not true. A lot of times big switches um, or new news and like new developments come out, right? Not too long or at this Kazemi or not too long afterwards, because it is the start of this, you know, the, the synodic cycle between Mercury and the sun, uh, just in general. So, um, yeah, May 1st, May day, is that May day? It's May 1st, yeah. May day. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. So that's a holiday. I forget how you say it. Um, is that the maypole? Is that when they dance around the maypole? Is that what happened? <laughs> yeah. All around the maple, something, I don't know. I can't, (laughs) kindergarten was a long time ago for me. Um, But I kind of see that, that maple action. So what's interesting about this time too, as we talk about, well, especially when you were talking about kind of behind the scenes stuff is here we got old Venus and Gemini just hanging out and she's really hanging out because she is getting closer and closer to a square with Neptune and then a sextile with Jupiter. So there's something to be said about this time too, where, I mean, all maybe all that work that we were doing in that, that Virgo zone when the moon was in Virgo, and now we're getting into the moon in Libra and another Venus ruled moon. And Venus just wants to chill. You know, this is very, I feel like this is a very social, uh, social week, but also a creative week, also a, maybe a confusing relationships week, but also you know, maybe even dreaming together, um, so to speak, but it's always interesting when Venus and Neptune come together, right? Talk about those rose colored glasses again, (laughs) which not a bad thing always, but sometimes, you know, just depending on how we use it, I suppose. Absolutely. And I just remembered it's, it's Beltane. Beltane. Uh, yeah. And it's all about, for, it's sort of Easter-ish, I guess, like welcoming in summer and it's all about fertility and sexuality and all of that. So yeah, I could see uh, the Venus square to Neptune that's about to happen uh, and Venus sextile Jupiter to really just be like big fantasy love going on and are we going to have um a hot girl summer <laughs> are we dreaming of hot girl summer at this point in time is that going to happen can we dream about it or is there something 
that we can't see because of the square to Neptune that's kind of getting in the way or preventing us and making us lean maybe into the more lower vibe aspects of Neptune, whether that's emotionally or just like, you know, my brain is done and fried because of all the information shared by yeah. <laughs> uh, Gemini. So I'm a little foggy now. Right. So I, I'm not maybe making the best choices um, or I need to listen twice as much as I speak could be another way to look at this energy with Venus and, uh, and Neptune. Yeah. And you know what? Cap it, cap it at a couple drinks. This is like, you know, like think about the the social drinker, the like, or somebody like, I don't hardly ever drink, but for some reason this week I have, I've been out like three times I've had, you know, five cocktails, you know, it's just, there's a very, uh, I feel like there's a very go with the flow sort of, um, maybe take risks that you don't normally, you know, kind of like have a more of a spontaneous vibe, which can be good for some people, you know, especially yeah. if you're not normally out there doing some things, this might be like a, a week that's a little different from you, for it's you. It's giving <laughs> good life. It's giving good life vibes. It's giving, you know, like let's, let's make it delicious. Yeah. So get luxury. Yeah. So basically, uh, you know, may, um, where, where, where are my notes? Uh, May 4th, but really that's the whole week of May 1st. You're going to really start to feel that just that Venus kind of chill. So if you don't have it in you as much to, uh, you know, kind of slay it with, uh, all that Taurus that wants to be done and you want to lean into the calm, uh, you know, more peaceful, more luxurious, sensual vibe of that Taurus, season i think this is definitely the time to do it plus we're you know we're getting closer and closer to uh the eclipse because that's essentially what um these transits we just talked about are baked in to our eclipse on uh, cinco de mayo on may 5th on friday we have a lunar eclipse at 14 degrees and 58 minutes of scorpio which if you're watching the video, you can see that Uranus is right next door. Uh, still, We're still in these Uranian eclipses um, that have been with us. Uh, I think, what is this, our, our third one? Um, like a tight one, maybe even more than that. Um, and that Venus energy is still coming off of Neptune, right? She's, in an, she's coming off of that sextile with, with Jupiter, and then that moon is um, in a mutual reception with that with Mars over there, who's still in in Cancer, um, and coming off its square with Chiron that we were talking about earlier, but getting ready to make make a trine to Neptune. So there's this, there's this, this Neptune vibe that's within this uh, eclipse. It feels like, um, but yeah, we have that Uranian action and, and Mercury retrograde and closer to the North Node. Uh, what, you know, what are, what's your first thoughts when you see this eclipse? Mm. I just think about last year. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't easy. You know, the, the eclipses in Taurus and Scorpio can be emotional and they can be pretty serious and heavy. And I don't like to lean into the, uh, the heaviness, but it's just, it's real. And I think it's important to acknowledge and just so that if someone is feeling down to know that this is part of it, it's about feeling your feelings. It's about acknowledging your feelings. And also it is about letting go of it. So it's going to come up because the point is that you need to let go. 
one of the uh, uh, Sabian symbols for uh, 14 Scorpio is kids at play, like in nature, they're building sandcastles or something like that. And it is about, there's like a morning, there's some like brooding and hiding and things like that. But with the South node on the moon, it's about letting go of our emotional stuff, especially what's kept in our body. So doing like Louise Hay affirmations to see like, where am I feeling it in my body that, or like, um, the Vanderkolk book, uh, the body keeps the score, you know, mm, yeah. that's the kind of stuff where there's this invitation because back to the Sabian symbol, it's about like not being too serious and making sure that you can see like the lighter side of life and remembering how we can play. But all of that, honestly, it's about access to resources. Again, if you don't have access to someone who knows to tell you to read these books or like teaches you how to use the information or you don't have money to buy the things that you need or like go to therapy, then how can we possibly say, okay, now we can play? No, there's work that we have to do to deal with our individual and collective trauma so that we can get past that and live in this new world that hopefully will be a little bit better and nicer and more playful and more natural to how we are as humans. The letting go piece is so important here, especially with the the Neptune um, action, right? And, you know, I always think of uh, as cliche as it sounds, it's like, you know, endings lead to beginnings. You you have to clear out in order to begin again. And that's an interesting thing with this being the apex lunar eclipse that's associated with an Aries, you know, both Mars, these are both Mars eclipses and Mars, Mars cuts, Mars has a new mission about Mars wants to move forward essentially. Um, and hopefully Mars is aligned with what it cares about, you know, with that whole, uh, um, cancer component there and it being a mutual reception with the moon. Um, and I know a lot, I know a good amount of people cause that you're right. Those eclipses that were back last fall, especially the, the lunar eclipse, which of course was in Taurus and you think, oh, that's an exalted moon versus our fallen moon here in Scorpio. Well, you know, we're, you're in the the middle of uh Scorpio season back then. And, it, you know, the, maybe the moon hell, it was exalted in some way, but there's still that component of Scorpio that brings us to, to depths and, and healing and, and death and transition. And so, and, you know, and that was a North node lunar eclipse. And here we're coming to that South node eclipse. And I have friends who are close to me that lost people during that time. And they're actually, still moving through that grief or coming on the other end. And so it's interesting to see this lineup and think about those endings leading to the beginnings and what facilitates that clearing out so that we can live that better life. Right. Um, and the release, you know, I, if you've listened to the podcast, you might have heard me refer to the South node as the celestial Drano, you know, and it's like, well, what, what do you want to flush down? What do you want to, you know, say goodbye to what's choking you up? What is, you know, especially when we're talking about like that Taurus energy and, and Scorpio, it's like, what's choking you up? What's blocking your, your creative, um, you know, your, your sacral energy um, now, because it literally can 
have a bomb. It feels like there's a bomb there. Uh, not a, yes. not a bomb explosive one. Uh, and maybe it could be, maybe, maybe yeah. it is an explosive one that leads to the healing bomb because we are talking about Mars energy. And so crying, be a lot of crying, get that cry. You know, we're both, we have both have water energy. We were like, you know, just cry it out. Just let yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I remember that eclipse that we had that was, um, sun in Taurus, moon in Scorpio last May. Mm-hmm. And it was, that's why I was like, oh, I'm remembering last year. I cried. I mean, it was on my moon. I like I was trying not to, but I did a marathon of This Is Us, and it was that episode where you find out what happens to Papa. And <laughs> I'm not gonna give any spoiler alerts, but and then I went and I sat out under the big red beautiful moon. And I was like sobbing, you know. And it was not just about the show; it was about you know, yeah, personal, obviously, but. Um, that, you know, that trigger opened up the the plug in the bathtub and it was just like, here comes the water. Here comes the emotion. Let's go. Let's drain it out. People let's get those tears out. And I think that the difference between an exalted moon in Taurus and the fallen moon in Scorpio is that the moon in Scorpio feels very, everything very sensitively. You know, it's like the snake with its belly on the earth and it just feels every little piece of sand and, and every little emotion, whether it's psychic, spiritual in this world or the next world, or if it's, um, you know, just being like a highly sensitive person to other people's emotions, whereas the moon in Taurus is exalted because it's good at embodying. And so what I saw was the story of the body keeps the score. If you are holding in those emotions, like you're saying, then by the time we get to that eclipse, what is revealed is the physical um, manifestation of those symptoms, which can be through illness and can be through someone finally, you know, transitioning out because that does happen during eclipse season, especially. Um, But, you know, if you lose your life, you lose your body. The exalted moon in Taurus is like the the embodied manifestation of the emotions and the feelings that you get from Scorpio. So that's the cycle that we get from now until October 28th, when we have that last eclipse. So this is the last time we'll have the moon in Scorpio, sun in Taurus, um, eclipses, but the next time it'll be reversed. Yeah. So yeah. What do you, what are you ready to clear out? What are you ready to transform and, and move into its next state? You know, what are you ready to let go of? What are you ready to embody? Yeah. Yeah. Because if you can do the emotional work that invites in new, new relationships. Um, and I, that's the hot girl summer stuff, right? (laughs) (laughs) You better let go of that old person that you were seeing and, and get that you know, let go of the emotions or do the emotional work, go to therapy, whatever. So you can have the relationship that you want to have with other people. Yeah. So I guess what we're kind of getting from this eclipse is that there's, there's release. There is change. There can be difficult things, but there's also the benefit of, uh, you know, the possibility and the moving on and the release that comes from it. So, uh, it sounds like with most eclipses, you know, yeah, it's a mixed bag. It's a mixed bag, baby. <laughs> I don't know that I'm going to be like Cinco de Mayoing in public, though. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I don't recommend it. I, I mean, there, Cinco de Mayo is problematic. I will just say that, right? Um, the way Americans celebrate it, celebrate anyway. It, yeah, <laughs> just chill. Don't be. Yeah, don't be out there. Don't. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my goodness. So we're moving on from our eclipse here, but you know, it's just going to be kind of wild energy uh, just in general, you know, leading up a couple of days before, a couple of days after, because it's just an eclipse. So that being said, um, then, you know, then the next thing that really happens is a few days later uh, on May 7th, on that Sunday, um, Venus moves into Cancer. So Venus gets a different vibe. She's uh, she's back where I have Venus. So I'm looking forward to a Venus return here soon um, in, in Cancer, you know, and she likes Cancer. She's got triplicity there. Um, so she's, she's all right in some water energy. Uh, and then she goes on to sextile the North Node uh, just a few days later um, on May 10th. Uh, on the same at the same time uh, when the sun conjuncts Uranus on the ninth, so it's interesting to think about this shift that Venus is ta- is having into Cancer because this is a different vibe, um, and that's going to coincide in color the the Sun Uranus conjunction. Um, but of course, you know the Sun Uranus conjunction. It, we already feel it, right? You know, we have the exact conjunction, but then we have the lead up. So there's something to be said about the lead up of like Venus at 29 degrees of Gemini, you know, because whenever anything's at an anoretic degree, we're like, what is this planet doing? Or what is this? This is like apex to like the ultimate. And then it turns over. Um, so, I mean, what are your, I don't know if you have any thoughts in that area. Um, same well, with, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's another world point, zero degrees of the cardinal signs and yeah. certainly like even 29 of the mutable, you're going to be feeling that world point energy. Uh, and so it is a big deal. And then the sun Uranus is, it could be sudden unexpected changes in leadership. I mean, it's an annual aspect. So it's not like something like, like wow, crazy happens every single year. <laughs> Although please, please let me know. Cause I'm sure somebody knows. Um, let me know the wild and crazy thing that happened every single year that the sun and Uranus met up. Oh yeah. There's always something. There's always something. Yeah. If we dig hard enough. It'll be, there. <laughs> but I think it's good energy to like, to, it's almost like a Mercury Kazemi, you know, the, the sun, um, Uranus Kazemi can be used in similar ways. It's and high, the higher octave. And so you can kind of, uh, lean into those like divine inspiration, divine downloads, psychic energy. And then with Venus, I think uh, making a trine and a sextile to the nodes, it's about, again, use the trine and sextile is the point of Thales, right? And so that allows us to use Venus as the negotiator between where we've been on the South Node and what we need to let go and where we're going and where we haven't been before and need to go and our destiny, you know, where the arrow is pointing towards the future. So how are we using our relationships and our values that are related to um, that Taurus energy of our personal resources in order to build a home and build a family and build a supportive uh, environment and take care of our emotional and our physical uh, needs and our food needs again, you know, send cancer super about food. And so um, it could be if you wanted to be proactive using this transit to make the world a better place, what I would say is go do uh, like a food composting type of thing because, um, or go to a food kitchen and think about how you can um, like use those, what do they call them? Like ugly seconds or something like that, where there's like the carrots that are misshapen and broken. And then you can like buy them in the pretzels that are broken and you can like eat those. And that's the kind of energy of like reusing and recycling and valuing things that are not necessarily perfect, but can feed us and be renewable and 
Yeah. It made me think of, um, cause here we're still waiting. They, this, the city has been like teasing forever that we're going to get these compost tra- ca- cans. And I mean, it's been like, I, I swear it's been well over a year that they've been sending us information and it's coming soon. And so, so it makes me wonder if, uh, this is around the time that those cans are going to actually show up because, uh, of the lunar eclipse, uh, in Scorpio and thinking about like compost and, and the garbage and the, you know, yeah. composition. <laughs> there could be like a food recall that, ha- I mean, there's food recalls all the time. I feel like there could potentially be like a food recall that happens at that time, especially with Mercury retrograde approaching the, the North node. Um, the Uranus is sort of surprising and, and we'll be focused on food because of the Taurus and the, um, uh, cancer energy. And then the, the Scorpio is like, not the good kind of food, the kind that goes quickly out the other side. And, um, and so I, I feel like another way that you could use this is like, you know, after that emotional eclipse, like bake some cookies for your neighbor and like bring them over to their house and like, or bring them a quilt and like make, you know, know your neighbor and love them and show them some hospitality. Mm, that's always a good, that's always a good rule of thumb. If you want to live a peaceful life, (laughs) get to know your neighbors, treat them well. Um, and you know, Venus is, she's going to be in a different vibe, right? We just went through a Venus and Gemini, uh, experience and Venus cancer. This is different. You know, Venus out there, she's socializing up. She's like entertaining all these possibilities and talking it out. And when you get into cancer, she's like, I just want to stay home and cuddle with you and let's cook a, a good meal. And let, let me think about, Oh, I, I want, you know, to maybe a little more security in my relationships. And now that, that Venus Mercury, uh, mutual reception has broken, um, at this time, uh, pretty much cause Venus is going to be in the waves of the moon, uh, now when she's in cancer. Um, but, uh, even they're getting close to a supportive sextile too with, uh, with Venus and, and Mercury it's coming, it's coming here shortly. Um, but it it just feels really supportive to me. Like it kind of feels like after all that release of the eclipse, we're talking about like, just that like Venus starts to like get more just settled into her, her shell or her comfy zone. And yet she's kind of having this release and kind of like breakthrough with the, the sun Uranus. Now, granted there's stuff going on in the world. There always is, but I think just on a personal level, it might feel, um, yeah, just might feel like just that little switch, you know, like Uranian action doesn't always have to be dramatic speaking as a Uranian person. And I know you have some, uh, Uranus yourself. Like sometimes it's just like, all it is is a switch that turns. And that's why Uranus kind of gets this vibe of being like hot and cold because the switch turns and then you can't do that anymore. Or you don't, you know, you feel, you you used to feel that and now you don't feel that anymore. Um, And yeah, so it could be as simple as that, um, that could happen at this time. Yeah, and I was just looking at that ingress where the moon is. Uh, When Venus hits zero degrees, the moon's going to be in Sagittarius. And so- this could just be like, it could also be like cross-cultural food. I don't know. I don't know. Like it, <laughs> it, when I was in grad school, well, in, you know, high school, college, grad school, but especially in, I went to grad school in Paris, one of them, um, one of the grad schools, and they had this like international foods thing. And it was sort of like, Hey, like what kind of food do you have from where you're from? And you want to try mine and also our, our, our clothes and just our, our cultures and our customs. So bringing that Sagittarius energy in 
uh, to this story of Venus and the nodes and Venus's transit through Cancer. I want to try some multicultural foods. <laughs> I love, I'm like, my cancer planets love to eat. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also makes me think of when you were talking about food earlier, um, which is just making me hungry, Taylor. Just like, I know. Um, <laughs> uh, that's the one big story about uh, just Taurus energy and Uranus being in Taurus. I mean, this could be a time where there's a, a reveal of a, a new food or a new way of like engineering food or like. Yes, they just know. came out with. Um, uh, fake seafood. You know how we have the fake beef. Mm, yeah, they've got the the fake seafood now. Yeah, so maybe that gets released and has a name now. I've been waiting on that. They've been talking about this seaweed that tastes like bacon for years, and I've never had it yet. And so, and as someone who has a plant based diet, I'm like, I'm waiting for this seaweed. Well, you because... can use rice paper. I'll send you the rice paper bacon recipe that I just okay. Got. Send me that. I need this. <laughs> <laughs> I need bacon in my life. That's not an actual pig. Yes. Um, <laughs> oh, or like goodness. grown in a lab. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Give me that plant. That natural. All right. So this is moving us on, basically, to our next last quarter. Our next last quarter. Our next quarter, which happens to be last quarter. And that is going to be, uh, fittingly, I guess we could say an Aquarius on Friday, the 12th. So we know Aquarius has been getting a lot of action here. Um, so we have this, uh, these two signs being activated again. And of course, you know, the sun's still in close proximity to Uranus. Um, but anything else going on that day before I start to investigate there. Yeah, there's a whole flow basically going on with Mercury, uh, who's still retrograde, who is uh, sextiling Venus, and then Venus is trining Saturn. So it's it's an interesting turn of the corner to, I'm, you know, do you ever do this and you start to see your own life unfold? Like I'm having like, I'm like, oh, I know exactly what's going to be taking place here. Um, but there's like this tension of the lunar story, but there is just this nice, um, you know, receptive, communicative, relational, like longer term, you know, Venus, Saturn commitment thing sort of going down too, um, in my mind. Yeah. Venus trying Saturn. That's lovely. Um, with the moon getting to that on Saturday, the 13th. Yeah, with the moon there. And I mean, that last quarter moon, I was just, um, you know, Deneb Algeti, the fixed stars at 23 degrees of Aquarius. So not just, you know, two hours after the uh, last quarter goes exact. And um, that's about leadership and protection and um, different things like that. But also right there at 21 degrees, there's um, another fixed star, which is about like writing and government and religion and overcoming evil. And I personally love the moon in Aquarius. Like when my progressed moon was in Aquarius, it was so nice because it was such a relief from like all of the emotions. And so I feel like this, even though the last quarter moon can be sort of like, you know, that crisis of consciousness, like, what am I doing? It can also be like just getting information out into the world. And um, uh, I think it might be a more... Um, you know, you've got Venus trying Saturn. And so there is that commitment and the commitment comes from a place of like, I felt all the emotions and now I'm thinking more rationally and um, I'm ready to, to take a step forward based on this journey we've been on with the eclipses to actually, 
you know, do something different. And when the moon, you know, hits Saturn, that's um, very close to Pomohot, right? That fixed star. So, yeah. um, and it's right there. You've got it um, uh, in uh, Venus's domain. Venus, is, yeah, it's hanging out in Venus's uh, term yep. and her bounds. Yep. So that's, yeah, there's a, it, it, this feels good for relationships. Um, and even if relationships had a rocky road or, or maybe you're still processing relationships that are, are, are gone, you know, there's just something that's really nice about this mercury retrograde, especially if there's issues, you know, not issues, but you know, if you're still, you know, kind of working, working certain things out, or maybe you're on that new journey, right. Because we talked about that inferior Kazemi, and even though Mercury is still retrograde, it's collecting ideas now uh, and it's collecting, uh, you know, tangible um, opportunities or possibilities that, you know, relationships and commitments can take forward um, yeah. too. And then you get Mars trining, applying to the trine with Neptune. Yes. I think that that's really nice as well, especially when it comes to relationships, because it allows you to like, sort of like fantasize and envision and, yeah. and embody the fantasy, embody the vision, embody the, um, and like take action, actually live dharmically, like whatever we want the highest octave of love to look and feel like. And so, you know, and this is that Venus and Mars dance and, uh, you know, Mars will move into Leo and then Venus will follow, but we're getting that first taste of the the Venus and Mars dance where it's before Venus goes retrograde and Mars moves on and Venus almost meets up with Mars. And so this is when you want to start your relationships or like make that commitment because you don't want to do it once Venus, I think it's about June, it's, it's mid early, mid June, maybe the 12th or so when Venus enters shadow and then June 30th when she stations retrograde. So you don't want to be making relationship commitments. Then this is like really when you want to do the thing Um, otherwise hold off you know it feels very just supportive in general for joint uh joint like meditation and 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 envisioning and imagining together because there's something really powerful like sometimes you know my partner and I will do that we'll like we'll like lay in bed and we'll be like let's meditate together you know and you just lay there and you're like you know especially if you're meditating on something that you actually that you want together you know, because that's two minds and two hearts, you know, basically formulating that imagery into your, into, you know, the ethers, into the web of consciousness. And, um, yeah, I think why not? Yeah. It's important to set intentions with your partner before being physically intimate too. It's like, you know, another way to, to say this with the Mars and the Neptune is like, and that's what I was that, alluding to. Yes. Yeah, so like, <laughs> like, you know, just set your intentions with your partner and manifest the thing, especially coming off of Beltane, coming off of this, the fertility of Taurus season and, um, yeah. And, and the moon in a water sign sun in an earth sign. It's so fertile. It's so so far at all it's so, manifesting and saturn and pisces is like manifesting the dream yeah and so here's the thing is like listen to everything that we just said maybe rewind it listen to it again because here this is this is the uh this is the lead up right because essentially what's happening here is we got this 29 degree jupiter in aries this jupiter is on 
the solar eclipse degree, right? You're getting close to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, it's on the degree. It's getting close to the minute, right? So we're about to get this Jupiter crossover in in a couple days. And that Mars that's trying in Neptune, you know, this is the last, you know, aspect it makes before it crosses over into Leo, opposes Pluto, and then squares Jupiter. So there is, it's almost, I don't want to say this is the calm before the storm, but there's there's something to be said of, and maybe this, maybe the calm is actually what builds to the storm or builds to the activity that comes uh, next. But there, you know, and it's an interesting thing because part of, you know, we're getting to this you, you, it's not balsamic yet. We're still in the, the last quarter here, but this moon is waning and it's getting uh, you know darker and light. And so we get to a more reflective phase, but there's just so much, te- there's so much brewing. You know what I mean? There's so much tension yeah. <laughs> brewing in the the skies here as we have, um, you know, Jupiter's going to move into Taurus here on the 17th. And we've already, and the moon's going to basically, is the moon going to come in with, Tell me the moon comes in. Let's see. So, uh, yeah. So the moon basically ushers that Jupiter in just like it did with Pluto. That's the funny thing is when Pluto moved into Aquarius, the moon moved into Taurus and immediately squared Pluto as it entered. Um, And the moon is going to do the same with Jupiter. So we get this whole basically hit on Wednesday, May 17th of that Jupiter in Taurus, that is, um, you know, at the same time we got the sun making a sextile to Neptune. So this is kind of our, our last, you know, piece coming into the Neptune, uh, you know, action that we've been repeatedly talking about here. Uh, we also have Mercury. Um, oh, I skipped over Mercury, Mercury going direct. Did I not have that in my notes? Where was that? Um, so Mercury's, when does Mercury go direct? Exactly. So May 14th on Sunday, Mercury stations um, at five degrees and 50 minutes of Taurus, which almost makes it the North Node, not quite, uh, just kind of hovers around it, um, right when the moon in, is on Neptune in Pisces there. But once again, back to the brew that I was just talking about, right? Because we have this last degree of Jupiter here, Mercury stations after all the action, right? after all the action of uh, we've been talking about. And all this is basically leading us um, to, I mean, it's kind of leading us to the new moon, but right before the new moon, we get the, we get Jupiter squaring Pluto. So what do we even start with this? I mean, Taylor, there's so much. much. There's, there's, there's so much right now. And so some of the tiredness is also because we're having really short, void moons and so the moon is really active like mm. you know, through all the degrees as we have planets at the anoretic degrees so we're just having like really short breaks which makes us really productive but then also we get um mars square jupiter uh as well right before jupiter moves into taurus and so that whole intention setting with the partner thing is because you do feel something coming because you're going to be working at cross purposes to something that wants to expand. And and sometimes that can come up as like, I have a lot of work to do right now, which makes sense with the moon being really active. And then you've got um, Jupiter moving into Taurus. It's going to make um, that aspect to Pluto. It's going to square Pluto, which is going to feel really big. And it's interesting because zero degrees of Taurus 
um, there's a fortunate fixed star that has to do with like um, money and, and wealth and things like that. And that's what Pluto has to do with as well. So, um, and then we're in this balsamic moon for, um, you know, a couple of days and it, we're just going to feel really tired. And it's sort of like this again, almost energy. It, well, and I feel like it's like tired and wired, right? Because it's like, mm. because the moon, you know, one of the last things the moon does is it's, you know, makes a conjunction to Uranus, which is never relaxing. <laughs> You know, it's just, it, there's just this underlying, even if it feels like it's a relaxing, you could be doing nothing, but yeah. you know, the, just, you'll feel the, the buzz, you'll feel the, just the, mm, this, the slight hum that is going on, um, that is within it. Uh, so it's okay. So it really, it's leading us to May 19th, which is a 28 degree, you know, new moon in Taurus that's in the midst of Jupiter squaring Pluto. Mars about to move into Leo. It doesn't, it, 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 it moves in what the, the next day. So it moves in the next day as tour season is about to end. Right. Um, and it doesn't actually make, I don't think it makes the opposition to Pluto until, um, no, no, it does. It does. The last day of Taurus season, Mars opposes Pluto and then when Gemini season starts, Mars then will make the square to um, Jupiter. So this is an interesting new moon because A, it's at the end, once again, of the sign, much like the solar eclipse. It's got this aspect baked in, this, this Mars, Jupiter, Pluto mix. But Mars is at 29 degrees of Cancer, right? So this is... They're actually, it's a sextile with Mars. So there's an interesting support going on, but talk about lineup. Yeah. And it's interesting because uh, a lot of our lunations recently have had squares to Mars over the past year. Um, right. So um, we've been having really difficult lunations where it was like, eh, and now it's finally, okay, Mars is here to help us out a little bit. and we also have the sextile to Neptune there. Yes. Uh, so that's helpful as well. And I think it is about coming together and beginning something new or letting go of old partnerships, but also beginning new partnerships and new ways of cooperating together um, in very tangible ways so that we can take action in the way that we want. And so in many ways, and I've been saying this since the beginning of the year, but it's like, it's the end of the beginning and the beginning of the beginning. <laughs> if that makes sense. No, it does make sense. sense. It but, does make sense. Yeah. It's the beginning of the beginning. It's the beginning of the beginning. And it's also the end of the end of that, right? The end of like what we're ending. Because, and like on big score yeah. scopes, we're not, it, it feels like, I don't know if you feel the same way, but it's not, it's like much bigger, like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm thinking of like all of the outer planet, outer planet transits and all of the invitations that we have with all of our lunations and our inner planet transits and the nodes. It's like, it's preparing us for when Saturn and Neptune meet up in Aries. It's preparing us for when Uranus goes into Gemini. 
um, it's preparing us for the final, you know, Pluto into Aquarius for 20 years. It's, um, it's ending so that we can begin in many new ways in 2025 and 2026. And so, um, we are starting to wrap things up and, and want to begin something new. I know I do. I'm like, yeah. I have for a long time. That's the thing. Sometimes, you know, sometimes when we want to start something new, cause I know I'm not the only one out there. There's, there's a divine timing is a thing. And sometimes divine timing is very slow Can be. and it's purposeful and we can't get anywhere. We want to go incredibly fast. And if that's not a lesson of Taurus season, I don't know what is, but the, I, but there is something to be said about the, the way Taurus season ends that is activating, incredibly activating for change and forward momentum, but not necessarily ease. And a lot of times you can't strive in life easily. You know, stress is related to um, growth and activity. I mean, do you think a plant would ever, you know, come up out of the ground if it wasn't pushing and striving and trying to get through that dirt, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And also this lunation is happening. The new moon, the seed that's planted is being born of algal and the Pleiades. It's which are two really difficult fixed stars to deal with where people are losing their heads, right? Like algal is losing your head. Um, and, uh, and also the whole thing with, with women's rights, and fertility rights and bodily rights uh, in the United States. And so we're going to see some changes in leadership there. And, and the Pleiades is a seven sisters, but it's not <laughs> a fortunate fixed star at 29 Taurus and 26 is where Algol is. And it's difficult energy. So it's an, a seed planted out of difficulty um, and wanting to make a commitment to, to start something new without all the energy, but, but also like having the desire with the Mars and Neptune to try to make it happen. Well, all I saw in my head, was like, I hope there's not another, uh, uh, reign of terror. Like I was thinking about the Pluto and I'm like off, off with their heads, you know? Oh yeah. Um, no, I mean, we've had a lot of alcohol activation. So oh, I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> just a, uh, yeah. uh, you know, I, you know, to get the term is like, watch their, their heads are going to roll. The heads yeah, are going to roll, you know, yeah, and that's be just a metaphoric yeah. speaking, the heads are going to roll, you know, because especially with Mars and Jupiter and Pluto, these are definitely, uh, switches in, in power positions for, um, we're probably definitely going to see that during this lunar cycle. We might not see it at the new moon, but I think that will be, um, you know, yeah. And I mean, continue to unroll in the next 28 days um, because this is baked into the the lunar cycle, essentially. And I think it is also going to be related to probably, um, hopefully, a positive step forward in gun legislation so that we're using that Cancerian energy with Venus and Mars to protect our children because Mars is coming to oppose Pluto uh, once it moves into Leo. And Mars and Pluto together. Um, and you know, it's, I'd like to say that, but you know, (laughs) let's hope it's that. And let's not hope it's not some extreme event because I know it could be, it could be both. That's the nature of life and it's duality or maybe an extreme event 
finally get something done. Let's hope it's none of that. But, um, but yeah, so we will just have to wait and see because that is the nature of astrology. And when we're looking ahead of these transits, we don't know until we get there, right? We can only theorize what this might look like. Um, but uh, it's a it's a rich season, I guess, pun intended, uh, with Taurus there. And so, it, you know, the, the the most difficult task, if you had one word to describe Taurus season 2023, Taylor, what, what would it be? All right. So I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm going to say revolution, but I'm going to put the R in parentheses. So it's revolution, evolution. Mm, All right. Well, you know, I guess you really don't get evolution unless you have revolution. It's, it's, it's a necessary R. Maybe Mercury is adding that in there. Mercury is like, just. (laughs) Yeah. And also because with Taurus, we have so many revolutionaries that have Taurus energy, Malcolm X, Karl Marx, like I think Sam Reynolds and someone else did a, a presentation on it recently. So revolution comes with Taurus season and especially with the eclipses that are asking us to change. So yeah, it makes me wonder if it's just like, I mean, you got to have like in order to revolt, you honestly, you got to have a fixity of purpose. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, stubborn as heck. you have to be right. stubborn as hell in order to, yeah. to like really properly revolt and, and hold that yeah. and like hold that space. Um, yeah. So. I mean, if I could choose a second one, it would be reevaluate because we've got the retrograde and we've got Venus doing what she's doing. And I think the reevaluation leads to the revolution evolution. And also knowing that like the word love is right there in evolution, right? You know, just flip it around. E-V-O-L-L-O-V-E. You've got the love there. And so really leaning into that. I think that's, those are wide, wise words for planets in, in cancer there, right? You know, especially first quarter in Leo moon, like come back to what you love. Yes. Come back to what feels good. I think my word would be like within this all is like, I guess it's kind of two words only because it ha- it's, it's facilitating an action. It's just get grounded. Like, you know, there's a lot going on around here. And our wisdom is found when we are centered and we're connected to nature, right? You know, Taurus is such a, such a nature vibe. Get, get, that, get that nature wherever you can get it. And uh, especially if we got all this leading up and we're feeling those, we're releasing through those eclipse seasons and all that. like. Especially if you want to, re- you want to revolt and you need to reevaluate. The only way you can do any of those things is to be like grounded in, you know, yourself and where you're going and what you stand for and what you believe in, you know, and what, what's important to you. Um, and honestly, that's a, that's a daily, that's a ritual. That's routine. Like you don't get grounded one day and you're like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll go ground again, you know, two weeks from now. Like, no, doesn't. <laughs> Don't work like that. You got it. Yep. It's a thing. Yeah. So practice, stay consistent, use that fixed energy. Stay consistent, stay consistent with what matters. There, there we go. That's, that's yeah. Consistency. All right, Taylor. Well, I think we did quite the treatment. Yes. We did quite the treatment here to Taurus season here. So, uh, all right. Well, where can people find you? What do you have going on? Uh, out there in the astrology world. Yeah. So, um, and it's been an absolute pleasure. This has been so much fun. So you can find me at taylorshuler.com. 
It's T-A-Y-L-O-R-S-H-U-L-E-R.com. There's no C in Schuler. And I'm Taylor Schuler Astrology on Instagram, uh, Taylor Schuler Astrology on Facebook. I'm on TikTok. I think it's Taylor Astrologer uh, and on Pinterest. And I will be at Norwalk on May 27th, speaking again about Ikigai. So if you want to check that out, come out and see that talk. Um, it's also, it's a hybrid conference. So you can come in person or you can come uh, virtually. I will be speaking at the OPA Astrology Conference about permaculture and astrology in honor of Earth Day. So if you're curious about how to use permaculture with astrology, come check out my talk there. And there's wonderful speakers. It won't just be me. I also have a new membership community called Thrive. So if you're interested in learning how to apply astrology in practical ways to your life so that you can thrive, uh, figure out your purpose, what your next move is. And then even if you're ready to take that next step by building a business, by becoming a social entrepreneur, um, I've got something for you. Or if you already have a business and you're interested in learning how I can work with you and to grow and scale your business in regenerative ways, um, I've got that as well. And then finally, this summer, I will be teaching about the purpose, uh, the purpose stuff at uh, Synchronicity University with Nadia Shah. So that'll be a five-week program in July that I'm really excited about. You got plenty on your plate coming up here. The Capricorn is working hard. Yeah. <laughs> totally. The Capricorn's working hard. All right. Well, of course, I will share uh, all Taylor's information over at energeticprinciples.com, where there will be a blog post about this uh, episode here. Um, And of course, that's where you can find me if you would like to book a personal consultation or sign up for my monthly newsletter, The Heavenly Wind. You can do that on the front page of the website. Um, You can also find me on uh, the old Instagram at Energetic Principles, and I'm, I'm on there sometimes here and there when I feel like called to connect and share. Um, but there is, I'm actually working on a very, uh, a big project that's been going on behind the scenes for a couple years now, um, that I'm finally starting to get out there. I've actually been working on a, uh, tarot deck with a really good friend of mine, an amazing artist, Sarah Jane Lambert. And we just finished the last card like a couple days ago and so it's big it's big news have you have yet to share it's literally we've been working on it for like two years we've been talking about it for 10 years so um it's called tarot of her so i figure taurus season is a good time to start to introduce this because we're going to be crowdfunding soon so stay um stay tuned for all that information because it is going to be an amazing deck. And I think that if you are a tarot enthusiast, uh, like myself, um, I'm really excited to share that with everyone. So, uh, yeah, stay tuned on that. It is coming very soon. Um, so, uh, what else, what else here? Well, you know, if you like what you heard here today and you're listening to the podcast version, uh, leave a review wherever you're listening to it. Cause it helps the podcast be seen further. If you're watching on YouTube, you know, drop us a comment, uh, below, tell us what you think Taurus season is going to look like, or, uh, if you have any insights into the energy, uh, that's ahead in the next 30 days, cause we'd love to hear them and engage with you. Um, and if you were watching YouTube too, please subscribe. I'm actually, I'm trying to reach my partnership goal. And I, 
I didn't even know I had a goal. And now I'm like, oh, wait, I have a goal because I'm almost there. So if you <laughs> if you like the program, subscribe. Um, and really, I think that is, that's it. I mean, there's so many things I could say, but I don't want to talk anymore. This is my time to go relax and chill. Um, so, all right, everyone. Well, Taylor, it was fabulous getting to connect with you here today. I hope you will join me on the podcast again sometime. Likewise. And I hope you join me on mine, my podcast, my YouTube as well. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that partnership journey, but thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, I love it. All right, everyone. Well, we wish you the best here in Taurus season. And as always, may the stars be with you. Mm-hmm.